Thank you for calling Lipstone Insurance Group. This is Joey Ann. Can I speak to Josh, please? He's actually on another line. Hold on, hold on Joey. He, yeah. I believe he just got off the phone, okay? Hold okay. on for one second. Yep. Thank you. Hi, Joey. How are you? Josh Lipstone. How you doing? I'm doing well. This is insurance in your own words from the people who are living and breathing it every day and are struggling to figure out where this industry is going and what they need to do to stay ahead. Hosted by me, Joey Golan. Let's get into it. That's actually something we're struggling with right now in our agency. It is, and, and I think you know, we're, we're Dave Ramsey ELPs, is getting the information from the customer and how do you balance making sure that you can get enough information to quote, but that you don't ask for too much that it just completely dissuades them from even speaking to you. I'll ask for, you know, oh, I need your date of birth, license number, social VINs, and, you know, their response back is, well, why do I have to give you all that? I just want to quote. You know, we're trying to figure out what is the best thing for us to be able to do so that we can make people happy, but not just give them, oh, here is a conditional quote, it's 150 a month, and then, oh, we get everything, and now it's 275 a month. And so that's our, that's been our fear that we've been struggling with the past few months. The last 50 seconds... And the rest of this show is exactly what I hate about the insurance industry. That's right, I said it. That was my buddy, good buddy Josh Lipstone at Lipstone Insurance in uh, North Carolina. And he's talking about his frustration of the amount of information that he thinks he needs to get from a prospect to provide them an accurate quote and what they are willing to give or not give willingly. And there's a lot of problems here. Most of which, probably all of which, well, maybe one, most of which are not Josh's fault. Maybe one is, we'll find out. The thing here is that, I don't wanna say this, cause I don't, all right. The constant internal struggle that I have with myself is, is the industry letting us down? Are the carriers, are the companies, whatever you want to call them, and we can't even decide on that. Are they a carrier? Are they a company? I don't know. You tell me. I hear it 50-50. Either way, are they letting us down? Or are we not just pulling ourselves up and doing the work ourselves? I don't think that, I mean, just from a time and a money point of view, I don't think that it's realistic for, I think, an agency of our size to be able to do. I think that the, the types of things that insurance agents need for us to be able to do our jobs involves private and sensitive information. And until the public is willing to just say, yep, here's my license number, here's my date of birth, and here's my social in this basically public database. At what point, I mean, yes, your, your driver's license is public, but when you couple in with those other two things, I think the public is going to have to make a shift to make that information more readily available to us than what it currently is. I mean, it would make our lives a lot easier and make things a lot easier for people, but then they're giving up that sense of privacy and that control. I don't know if people are ready to do that. The first person that I bumped into in uh, the very first day of the conference for the Insure Tech Connect conference in Las Vegas, first person I talked to there was a guy, I can't remember his name, I'm terrible, uh, who worked for LexisNexis. 
And basically his mission was to get rid of the insurance application. He said it can actually happen right now. It's just the insurance carriers are the ones pushing back. They like to have that hard copy, if we want to say, uh, more or less from an accountability standpoint than anything, more of a, well, here we have this, this is, this is the insured or the prospect or the client, you know, willingly giving this information and whatever. I'm sure there's a lot of legal, potentially legal ramifications. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, not even pretending to be one on this podcast. Are we just doing things for the sake of doing them? This is kind of what it sounds like. And I was like, dude, this sounds awesome. Like, where can I sign 7 million petitions to make sure that this like actually happens like tomorrow? Or, you know, why is it not a thing right now? And that's what Josh is struggling with is like, listen, we've got all this information. This guy told me like, you know, all right. So I guess let me back up. Hold on. I'm getting ahead of myself. This guy basically, how do, well, how do we get rid of the insurance app? You ask? Well, I mean, a lot of this, this underwriting, this underwriting, I'm using air quotes. You cannot see me. Because a lot of this underwriting of the information that we've collected is irrelevant. We're just collecting it for the sake of collecting it. And that with advanced analytics and kind of uh, machine learning is tossed around a lot, but basically a lot of, you know, kind of complex things, you know, scanning and crunching numbers on a lot of, you know, accessible points of data can tell you more about a risk than anything that somebody's going to actually put on an application. And Again, this guy was saying, all I need is a name and an address, right? Like that's all he needs. And it's like done. Like that's the only pieces of information you need to collect from somebody. And again, as he's describing this fantasy world to me, and as I'm just kind of, just kind of lusting over him and his, and the words that are falling out of his mouth, uh, I, you know, I'm thinking to myself and I, I listen to what Josh is telling me and I'm saying, again, if it's out there, why aren't we doing it? The way you buy insurance or the way people buy insurance is going to dramatically change probably pretty soon. And it's just strange that we're not trying to be a little more actively involved in making that process our own. You know, Jason said something before in the past about how he feels that at some point auto insurance is going to end up just becoming to the point where you can go on an app and you can get a quote every single month and switch insurance companies as you see fit. And I think with the real-time thing, that's going to you know make it even more exact, I guess, if you want to use that word. That'll be interesting to see how that all kind of ties in to one another. I'm not sure if I'm disagreeing with Josh or Jason, or maybe I'm disagreeing with Josh's account of Jason's prediction of the future of buying car insurance. It's probably the most accurate way to describe what I'm about to do. Either way, uh, and Jason Cass being that the founder of this Find Grow program and uh, Agents Influence podcast host, if anybody that is new to the podcast, I suppose I shouldn't just toss it around like we're on first name basis with everybody, even though that's kind of how I like it to be, but uh, we'll get there soon enough. Anyways, so what I'm going to disagree with is that I think the biggest thing, Jason, and I guess maybe Josh, because he's he's... He's, he's, he's actually taking time to recount, recount that statement, uh, is underestimating or forgetting is we always focus on price and availability. Just because you have the ability to buy something every, you know, you can, just because it's easier to do something doesn't mean you're going to actually care enough to do it. The financial incentive has to be great enough to force you to do this. 
And yes, I agree that there's going to be an app or a thing that a, you know, a radically different way to kind of interact with your insurance and the information and the quotes and all that fun stuff. Yeah, there's going to be a different way to do that. But let's be honest. I mean, I could switch my electric company every month or my gas company or what, you know, something ridiculously boring like that. And maybe I save 40 bucks for the year. But my God, am I not doing that? I mean, are you doing that? I mean, why? I think maybe maybe some people will do that, but are they really your customer? I mean, are they the customer that you want? And maybe that app does exist, maybe it doesn't. What will exist, in my opinion, and think of it like this, for all the smart people in the audience who are um, currently holding an Android device, in their pocket or holding in their, holding in their hand or have in their pocket. Well, you, come on. Whoever, if you guys have those, if you have an Android phone, you probably, I would hope use Google now cards, Google now cards. Instead of you going and finding the information, it just automatically kind of anticipates that you're going to want to read this thing. And it recommends it to you based on your, your kind of search history and, and the things that you click on. That's pretty easy to do, right? but it's pretty game changing as far as, again, I search a lot less for stuff. I discover a lot, a lot more things that are new. And that I think is the auto app or the insurance app. That's going to be the primary function, right? I don't want to look at it every month. That's ridiculous. I'll jump out a window before I look at my auto and I'm an insurance agent. I'm not going to do it. I can do it. I can do it every day if I wanted to. I'm not doing it. We know it's not that big of a deal. And I will look at it every six months or at renewal, definitely take a peek. And again, back to the Google now card. If I just had a Google now card and if I just had my insurance technology piece to say, Hey Steve, guess what? Progressive, uh, is going to raise your rate this, this time from $350 for the, the term to $375 for the term. Here are the four best priced companies based on, you know, what's important to you that you might want to take a peek at. And then, yes, if you want to just click, click, buy, buy, change here, you know, maybe, maybe it gets that far, maybe it doesn't, but even just the fact of delivering that information on demand as you know, anticipating the need for that information. And yes, that's, that's supposed to be our jobs. That's supposed to be what we do. But again, we're talking about in the future, however far, three years, four years, in the future, this is not the job of the agent, in my opinion. That is more or less busy work. That is just, yes, it's part of our job to make sure that they've got the right coverage and the right price. But let's be honest. We know that we could not look at that thing for a couple of years and it's probably going to be okay. But still, at the same point, we don't need to waste the 30 minutes, the hour, whatever it takes you to requote it and renew it, especially if you know certain companies continue to cut renewal commissions. I mean, I know in health insurance, my renewal commissions have always been cut. So all of you that have been living high on the hog over there in the PNC side of things, I have very little sympathy for you. But now all of a sudden, if you're not going to be making the same amount of money on renewal as you do on new business, well, then it becomes a whole different story. And you weren't even renewing them at that point. You weren't even you know, following up. You still had a great retention rate. And you still weren't even following up on, on a lot of those renewals, I bet. Just my gauge for most of the agents that I talked to why don't we have that piece of technology that can say, Hey, Steve, here is your, uh, quotes 
based on, you know, again, just having it there. I mean, maybe that maybe something does exist. If somebody is in the industry and they think that they have cobbled together a solution for automating the renewal process to where these quotes are run and delivered and are ready for that person to have basically at the same time they're, they're handed their renewal from their existing company. I mean, show it to me because I, I mean, I know I could patch it together, you know, with some duct duct tape and a string. I could do that. I could MacGyver the crap out of the thing. I could do that if I wanted to, or I could pay a back end service like marble box or, or whoever to uh, maybe do that. I don't know if they would, they can do renewal quotes or not, but you know, I would, I would want to pay a back end service to, you know, go grab that client's file, pull up the quotes and see what's going on. Because if we don't, we're just allowing, we're daring somebody that doesn't even give a crap about insurance, but is, is, is actually forced to giving a crap because it's so underserved that they're going to have 10 times the resources and maybe not as much time, but they're just going to do it just out of spite. And then see what large companies like Google have learned from their compare experience here. And if they're just going to come back with something better, excluding agents, because we were the real problem that it failed, not them, and kind of seeing where that all goes. All right, Josh, now hold on a second. Let's not be too hard. Yes, it's possible that somebody could potentially accuse us of not being able to grab our phone with two hands and a giant vice clamp, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't take all the blame. I mean, all right, yeah, we probably should take a little bit because Google was sending us people and we weren't actually talking to them. But that aside, Google has had enough of our shenanigans, basically, is where Google Compare even started in the first place. However, we're going to throw it all the way back to the beginning of the show where I said, none of that is Josh's fault except maybe one thing. And this is where Google has again missed the mark. I can't believe I'm saying that. Uh, Again, just a lowly insurance dude in the corner of Northeast Ohio. The whole sticking point of, you know, how I think Ryan Hanley said on our insurance podcast cage match episode uh, a couple weeks ago, back in, I believe it was the beginning of September, uh, on Agents Influence, I was on Jason's podcast, Agents Influence, that we did. He said like 80-some percent of people actually wanted to call and talk to somebody, no matter what, right? And I think that number is really high, and it, and it kind of shows you the the way people want to do business. But much like Josh is having it, trouble getting information from prospects, the reason Google is having a hard time getting people to actually just buy directly online and they needed to ship them off to us for us not to answer the phone is because again, much like everything else. And I, I said this back again, going back to the insured tech conference, I said this on stage at the building agent 2.0 panel. All of this is centered around the thing that should be the last. And we want to put it first. What happens when you rush to the end and you put something first that should be last. It's like walking up uh, on the night of prom or something to your prom date and acting as if you should get that goodnight kiss right now. Now, I don't know what kind of prom you went to. Elaborate and color the story however you'd like. The point is that we want to kind of jump the gun and say, hey, here's the price, now buy. We don't want to do any of the hard, heavy lifting to let them know how they got there, why they're getting there and which price they need to know or care about. And it's because we haven't built that trust. There's the T word that we cannot coax them or even 
you know, kind of allow them the opportunity to give us more information. That's why we have a hard time getting more information. Haven't built the trust first. If they trust you, it's, oh yeah, I don't hear, yeah, whatever you need, not a problem. You want my kids' social security numbers too? How about my banking routing numbers and uh, my last six passwords? Not a problem. All right, I'm exaggerating, but that's that's kind of the goal. You want to be, you want them to feel like you're the person they would let house it, even though they just met you at Barnes and Noble. Who goes to Barnes and Noble still? Actually, I think we still have a Barnes and Noble. But yeah, Barnes and Noble—they got the nook, right? Borders—that's the one that didn't make it. Okay, I'm glad we got that settled. Um, the point is, is that you want to be that person, and how do we create that in this digital age, right? That's the question I ask myself pretty much every single day. Sad but true, yes. And that is why Josh is having a hard time getting people to give him extra pieces of information. That is why Google can't get people to buy directly online. There's a gigantic piece missing in that puzzle. I don't know that anybody has it. I don't know that I have it. I would venture a guess and say, if you locked me in a room somewhere in Switzerland for like two weeks with like maybe one developer, I'll take two if you have them, I'm pretty sure we can knock it out and get it done and have an experience that allows us as agents to kind of deliver that on-demand approach that Google wasn't able to and that other companies are gunning for. And it's why we're struggling to face the reality that we don't need all the information we once did. We just need someone brave enough to not accept it anymore and stop having a not it contest for who's responsible for building the process of tomorrow. All right, since I'm giving up on my serious question quest as the last three seem to go over like a lead balloon, is that it? Yeah, lead balloon. So I'm gonna try something different. It feels like I like to recommend things. I haven't recommended something for a while. I'm gonna do that in a slightly new way with a big insurance twist. This might show up somewhere else, but I'm calling this the mindset of the millennial. Very catchy, huh? Yeah, it's got a nice ring to it. But we often, and I don't like to focus too much on the millennials because it's, it's it, everyone is and, and it's getting a little overplayed and I think it's, yes, it's important, but I think, uh, again, anyways, mindset of the millennial, right? If you're looking for it, if you're not one, I unfortunately am, or fortunately am, I'm not sure however you want to view that. Um, if you're looking to get a little insight on the millennials, I have two things for you. One, it's a little outside of the box, so bear with me. If you have a Netflix subscription, watch Bo Burnham's Make Happy. It's a comedy stand-up special. It's an outside-the-box comedy. He's 24 years old doing comedy like nobody you've ever seen before. Very talented in a lot of different aspects. And two, this is very new to me. I'm, 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 I'm a big music guy, but again, the last five, six years, circumstances have uh, made that challenging to discover music that is new. A band that is uh, right around the corner from me in good old Columbus, Ohio, 21 Pilots, has uh, a couple albums out that are, again, so radically different. You've probably heard a couple of their songs on the radio and didn't even really know who they are. Uh, and if you listen to the rest of their music, you will say, how is this even a thing? But the reason I bring these up is because these are two very shining examples of the self-awareness of the millennial mindset. They're a very self-aware meta 
type group of people. They're very aware of their place in the world and they like to comment on those, those situations. That is a very interesting realization that I had the other day. Again, this is probably going to be a newsletter somewhere. Probably will develop into a podcast. But the mindset of the millennial. If you watch that comedy special and you listen to any of that music, let me know. Joey at GoProgram.com. But if you really want to make sure that you are keeping your pulse, your finger on the pulse of the millennials and whoever else you should be paying attention to and what agents are having success with it or not, you might have heard my rant last episode about the mastermind that we have. And I think it seems like agents, for whatever reason, like to be um, around other agents. Strength in numbers, maybe. That might be it. But that seems to be how agents prefer to do business. And if you want to, head on over to growprogram.com and check out the mastermind. As this is probably, you know, the group of people that if you are looking to bring up your average of five people that you hang around, it's probably one of the better places you could find on the internet. So again, growprogram.com, do that, or shoot an email at joey at growprogram.com.